This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 48. Welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. Hello. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. And I'm Brett Hurst. And we're marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. Woo-hoo. Well, in today's episode, we are honored to have with us for a second time in studio our dear friend, Trisha Taylor. Yay. And Trisha is a counselor, author, consultant, and speaker based here in the Houston area. And she and her husband, Craig, have been married for 28 years. All right quite an accomplishment. They have two young adult children, and so just like us, they are empty nesters, which we like to talk about a lot. Time for Mexican food. (laughs) And in the past, we've talked to Tricia about anger, but today we're actually going to pick her wise brain about depression and how that can show up in marriage and how to manage it. But it will not be depressing. No, it won't. So (laughs) once again, we welcome our sweet friend, Tricia. It's great to be here. So glad you're here. Well, uh, I pulled a couple of statistics to kick us off. And so according to the National Institute of Mental Health, there are 15 to 17 million American adults who are affected with a major depression in any given year. I think that is so conservative figure. I think it is, too. A different way to say that is that about 5% of all American adults at any given moment mm. meet yeah. the clinical criteria for major depression. Okay. Right, well, exactly. And then another statistic, uh, they put it kind of differently, showed that more than one out of every 10 adults will suffer a serious depression at some point in their lives, mm-hmm. you know, just based on different things. So depression is... You know, a much more, I think, a much more common occurrence than most of us want to admit, and yet we don't hear it talked about very much, for some reason, especially in the church. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wonder what your thoughts are on why we seem to just kind of keep it in the shadows conversationally. Yeah, there are probably a couple of reasons for that. And one is that... um, Unlike the scriptures that we follow, modern Christians are really uncomfortable about talking about suffering and pain in Mm. general. Um, We have an idea that's partly about being American, I think, and partly about being Christian, that we're supposed to be social and positive and optimistic all the time, and that not to be that way is a weakness. Mm -hmm. There's a stigma attached to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And... And a lot of us have bought into that idea, Mm -hmm. and so we don't talk about it. There is an expectation that, especially at church, Mm -hmm. we should be able to keep it together and put up a front that everything's okay. Well, Mm -hmm. and it's in our spiritual heritage, because even the disciples didn't want to talk about suffering and talk about the things that Christ was uh, beginning to reveal to them about the coming suffering and, and dying to self. Yeah, we don't we don't like to tell the truth about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly a cocktail party <laughs> conversation. Hey, let me tell you how I'm suffering. Well, yeah, and when we're struggling with depression, we already feel terrible about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then to talk about 
that we're depressed just makes us feel worse about ourselves, mm-hmm. and we're afraid people will judge us. And to be honest, some people will judge us. Mm-hmm. There is still a stigma about depression sure. in mm-hmm. our culture, and mm-hmm. especially in Christian culture. Yeah, and so um, that's hard. So well, we hopefully to- this this episode will help people kind of uh, break out of that a little bit. Yeah, I was just going to say, it sounds like we obviously need to create more and more safe forums for people to be real about this. I think we've come a long way, mm-hmm. and I just hope we can keep going that direction. Mm-hmm. Well, I know there's obviously a lot to understand about depression, and um, you know, I think one of the things that's important to distinguish is between you know what you might call a major depression or maybe clinical depression, mm-hmm. and maybe just kind of like life's transient sadness. You know, everyone feels sad from time to time. None of us get to go untouched by that. But how do you determine whether or not your own depression is something that you should seek professional help for? Um, I would say that in order to in order to understand it um, from a clinical point of view, we, we want to look for two things. Is there a chronically depressed, sad mood that doesn't really lift? In other words, if I can um, cry and smile at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm less likely to be clinically depressed. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can have bad days and good days, mm-hmm. then I'm less likely to be experiencing a clinical depression. But if that depressed mood doesn't really lift mm-hmm. um, one of the, for two weeks or more, okay. that's really concerning. I sometimes will ask people, if someone showed up at your door today with tickets to Hawaii mm-hmm. and you were off work and your suitcase was packed, could you have a good time? Mm-hmm. And sometimes people will answer, I don't think I would even have the energy to get on the plane. Okay. Or who wants to go to Hawaii? Mm-hmm. You know, Something like that is right. more concerning than if they say, well, sure, if I could get somewhere else, mm-hmm. I could have a good time. Okay. You know, that, that kind of thing. Um, if the depressed mood doesn't lift, or if there's a chronic, and the word is chronic, apathy or lack of interest. Mm-hmm. Depression doesn't always show up as sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Some people are not sad, mm-hmm. but they chronically lack any kind of um, energy, motivation, interest in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so either of those that are chronic for more than two weeks mm-hmm. are red flag. Um, feelings of worthlessness, uh, irrational guilt, Mm-hmm. Any preoccupation with death or talk about suicide or even thoughts about suicide is mm-hmm. always a red flag. In fact, I would say that one all by itself mm-hmm. is a good reason to talk to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, when, inter- it's interesting. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's no. interesting what you so what you said a minute ago about the different manifestations of de- depression. Like you said, not everybody mm-hmm. shows it through sadness. They can show it through apathy mm-hmm. or other things certainly reflecting our different personality types yeah. uh, that people uh, reveal that in different ways. I yeah, think. personality and also what's going on in the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, since if we're talking about a clinical depression, we're talking about some kinds of changes in the brain, a lot of controversy about what causes what and mm-hmm. you know that sort of thing. We're still learning a lot, but there's no doubt that um, depression does manifest in the brain mm-hmm. physiologically. Right. And so... Um, that also affects what's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So what can a spouse do if he or she recognizes symptoms of depression in his or her partner, particularly if the partner is not willing to admit it or seek treatment or anything like that? How do you encourage the other spouse to encourage the spouse who's struggling? Yeah, I think it it is at least as hard to be married to a person who is depressed Mm -hmm. as it is to be the person who Mm -hmm. is depressed. Mm -hmm. So um, what you're describing is pretty common and painful. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's ever effective to say to someone, you're depressed and you need to get help, (laughs) (laughs) whether you're married to them or not. That's Thank just you for not, that word. <laughs> yes, that's not very helpful. Uh-huh. Um, it's also not real helpful to cheer to try to cheer someone up who is depressed, right. especially if you're their partner. Um, if you can cheer them up, they're not depressed, mm-hmm. right? Okay, mm-hmm. and unless they're just acting more cheerful because they've learned they can't show you how they really feel. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. Um, what you want to do instead is listen really carefully and deeply to the person's suffering. Try to have a level of empathy, especially if you're an optimistic, happy person and you've never felt that. It Mm -hmm. may be impossible for you to really understand Mm -hmm. what they're experiencing in the Mm -hmm. same way that it might be impossible for you to really understand if they were going through chemotherapy, for example. And so you may have to dig really deep to understand that they're not just being you know, negative, mm-hmm. or they're not just trying to annoy you with their bad attitude, right. but that something real is happening in their brain, um, in the chemistry of their body, and in their thinking mm-hmm. um, that you may not fully understand. And so that means um, that I learned to listen and learn to offer hope mm. without cliches. Mm-hmm. If I, I don't know if that makes sense. No, sure Learn does. to communicate, I'm here for you. Right. I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. The image that I really like, I use this as a professional, but I also try to teach it to people who are in an intimate relationship with someone who's depressed, is that we have to learn the skill of being able to go down into the dark basement and sit with our loved one mm. and hold their hand in the dark, mm-hmm. and we have to always know where the stairs are. Mm-hmm. They don't know where the stairs are. Okay. Right. And we may not ever be able to convince them to go back upstairs with us, but we have to learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so we have to learn how to go down into the basement with them and be with them in their pain and always remember how to get ourselves out. So when you use that phrase, they don't know where the stairs are, are you referring to the fact that they are so uh, enveloped in their depression that they can't see the forest through the trees? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Um, You know, the thing about depression is that it almost always involves a loss of hope. Hmm. That's what makes it different from just feeling down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when hope is gone, we can't see our way back out into the light. Mm -hmm. Even if we can see some light, we think it's not meant for us. Mm -hmm. And so that person really is in a dark basement Mm -hmm. at that moment. Mm -hmm. And the spouse can make a difference between whether they're sitting down there alone Mm -hmm. or whether they have someone there to comfort them. Right. Um, So your presence means more than anything. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also some evidence that trying to make a depressed person 
feel better mm-hmm. actually makes them feel worse mm-hmm. because they don't feel understood yeah. mm-hmm. and they don't they feel alone mm-hmm. and so um, I know it's it seems counterintuitive but being willing to deeply listen and join the pain of the depressed person is often more effective than trying to talk them out of it because yeah. then you're being an, a genuine agent of comfort rather than yes. trying to prop Fix. them up mm. with some temporary mm-hmm. solution. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and you become the symbol of hope. Mm. You represent the presence of hope mm-hmm. um, when they can't see it for themselves. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Um, me let me also say, though, there's some practical things we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that we never ignore comments about death or suicide. Mm-hmm. And if that means... Um, calling 911 or driving someone to the emergency room. Sometimes people say, well, I don't really know what to do. If you call 911, they know what to do. Mm-hmm. Or if you drive your loved one to the emergency room, um, they know what to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that can be, that's always the first step there. Um, you can help the depressed person with some basic tasks mm-hmm. like childcare mm-hmm. or um, even just feeding them in a deep depression, even just eating, Mm -hmm. is hard work for a depressed person. Mm -hmm. Um, You can recognize and um, um, encourage all the signs you see that they are functioning. Mm -hmm. You know, that's really important to Mm -hmm. say, hey, you know, Mm -hmm. you're you're up and about today. It's great to see you out here. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm glad you were able to to be here today, that sort of thing, Um, to help with doctor's appointments. Mm -hmm. You know, for a depressed person, they may be saying, I'm not willing to get help. But Mm -hmm. what they may also be saying is, that sounds so overwhelming to me, Mm -hmm. I would not even know where to start. Mm -hmm. And so a spouse can certainly get some names, get some phone numbers, Uh um, help do some of that preliminary research. Mm Um, help a person make the phone call, or so many of us, um, therapists and even doctors will take email appointments. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know that's more manageable sometimes than picking up the phone. But walking your spouse, breaking that down into manageable chunks, and mm-hmm. helping walk yeah. them through the process of getting help is so much more helpful than uh, saying you need to get help. Right, right, <laughs> so. right. exactly. Well, you're listening to Marriage to the Max.
Welcome back to Marriage to the Max. And if you are in the greater Houston area, we want you to know that we host a monthly date night called Dinner and a Marriage, and we would love to have you join us. So visit our website at dinnerandamarriage.org to find out more details. And we're continuing our conversation today with Tricia Taylor about depression and how it can affect a marriage relationship. And before the break, Tricia, we were talking about how a couple can sort of manage a spouse's depression together and mm-hmm. practice um, being present and you know empathy and even helping with certain practical steps. How can we educate ourselves about depression so that we're not unwittingly discouraging our friends or our loved ones who are struggling with depression. I know I've had my own experience with depression, you know, here and there through the years. And I had people in my life who, with the best of intentions, say to me, well, you just need to pray more, or you need to memorize scripture more, or, you know, you know, lots of little things, which all was were good things, um, but they fell kind of empty on me because I wanted to say to people, don't you think I'm praying about this? <laughs> uh, of course, I understand that, but I still can't fix this, you know? Mm-hmm. And so how can we support each other lovingly in a way that doesn't give these kind of pithy, you know, pieces of advice that aren't helpful? Yeah, I was in a, a Bible study with a group of women one time, and one woman said in a very self-righteous voice, the life of prayer does not despair. And I thought, <laughs> there are 15 other women in this room, and you have no idea what they're going through. Mm. Right. And you just shut down every one of them. Mm. The idea that anyone in this room will have the freedom to say, mm-hmm. this is what I'm going through, mm-hmm. just the, the possibility of that just went out the window. So you've done yeah. the opposite of what we were talking about earlier, which is creating a safe forum, a safe place to, to process. So as important as it is to know how to talk to a person who is depressed, I'm more concerned about what we say when we think no one around us mm. okay. is struggling with that. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yes. Because we right. say things. We say things just off the top of our heads. Mm-hmm. You know, well, mm-hmm. we may say something, well, I don't know what people get depressed about because, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And everyone listening just drew the conclusion, it's not okay to tell you how I feel. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think we really want to be careful even when we don't know that we're dealing with a depressed person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that was part of my story, and I, and I want you to finish this thought, but part of my story was um, I was happily married. I had two beautiful children, lovely house, good job, you know, and so I would share with a few people, I'm really struggling with depression, and one of the biggest questions was, well, what do you have to be depressed about? Yeah. And these were all well-meaning mm-hmm. people, but that would make me feel even more guilty because sure. I think I really don't have anything to be depressed about. You know, let me let me raise my Jesus flag one more time <laughs> and figure this out, but I, I couldn't get out of it and uh-huh. without some, for me, some professional help. So Yeah, um, and that's a really, uh, that person was just showing their ignorance because we don't get depressed about things. That's good mm-hmm. to know. Um, depression mm-hmm. is not typically linked to life circumstances. circumstances mm-hmm. right. And so we're not depressed about something. Mm-hmm. So just saying that yeah. is kind of a statement of misunderstanding of mm-hmm. how depression works. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, I, I want to address this since we're kind of talking around this. Because there is a lot of ignorance and people are well-meaning, you know, spouses that 
you know, have never dealt with this type of thing before and to give them uh, a little bit more equipment on how to respond. Uh, first of all, how do you comfort the spouse that is about to enter into a caretaking role, mm-hmm. so to speak, uh, once that reality hits that, okay, we are dealing with uh, chronic depression mm-hmm. or something that's more than just a passing sadness uh, how do you comfort that person as they're kind of instantly overwhelmed with this reality? Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, whether we're doing with, with the person who's depressed or the spouse, a great question is, what do you need? Mm. Just to let people tell us what they need and then find a way to meet as many of those needs as we can or to get some other people involved in mm-hmm. meeting those needs. But also f- to help the spouse understand that they didn't cause this mm. and they can't make it go away. Mm-hmm. You know, that's easier for us to understand when the illness is something like cancer mm-hmm. than it is for us to understand when we're dealing with something like depression. Mm-hmm. In other words, you're saying they can feel guilt possibly, thinking, I caused uh, this. Yeah. Just like mm-hmm. a child of divorce mm-hmm. irrationally has those or that of feeling of responsibility, you know, what mm-hmm. can I do to make this better? Mm. And chances are there are things that the spouse can do to help get through this period. Mm-hmm. But there's not usually anything that a spouse can do to make it go away. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just like we don't want to put pressure on the person who's depressed, we don't want to put pressure on the spouse either. Mm-hmm. Um, they also need that grace. And we really need to encourage um, that person to take care of themselves. This illness affects them too. Mm-hmm. And um, I really like just that you uh, use the word caregiver because mm-hmm. in the most extreme cases, mm-hmm. um, a spouse probably is a caregiver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also don't want to imply that a depressed person doesn't have any responsibility for mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, chances are they also can't make it go away. Mm-hmm. If they could, they would have. Right. And so we don't want to put that on them. But we also don't want to act as though the depressed person you know, has no part to play, that mm-hmm. there's nothing they can do, that all they can do is just wait for it to lift. Mm-hmm. But that's dicey as far as... That is dicey. What you, as, far the care, as far as the caregiver is concerned. And mm-hmm. what you can say mm-hmm. and how you can compel them to take that responsibility because ultimately you can't force somebody to take responsibility. Yeah. Right. But sometimes we are treating them as though... They have no responsibility. Right, They're right. just sick, and we're going to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And and we don't want to go to that extreme either. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember point. a shining moment for us when I when I finally really realized I was battling depression and was ready to admit it. And I had stayed up all night. It was one of these all night, you know, Jesus help me <laughs> figure this out kind of nights. And I had I had realized the next morning that I needed to kind of step out of a lot of things I was doing, you know, just role wise uh, work and ministry and life. And um, I said it to Brett over the kitchen table. I said I'm stepping away and getting some help. And I basically said I need you to run interference for me in my life. And without even batting an I, he said, it's done. Like he could have easily gone, well, what do I tell people or who do I call or, you know, and, and made me feel so overwhelmed. But instead in that moment, he was like, it's done. And for me, that was 
the next step of, okay, this is going to be okay. I can make the call to my counselor and I can move forward. So sometimes it is just, you know, you have no idea how the role of a caretaker can be so helpful Mm -hmm. by just taking something on, like you said earlier. Well, I love that story because you were doing what you could do Mm -hmm. and Brett was doing what he could do. Exactly. And and that's all we can ever expect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it was, it was a great moment. Affirm you one more time on that. <laughs> oh, well, that was nice of you to say. Back to giving encouragement to the caretaker because we just encounter this all the time, and I know you do in your practice, where uh, obviously the depressed person is overwhelmed by depression, but but the caretaker being overwhelmed, like, what, what do I do? I'm so ill-equipped, you know, to do this. And also the... Um, the despair for a caretaker to say, is there any hope for us, for my marriage, Mm -hmm. for my spouse and everything? You know, I know there's no blanket message of hope to give, but what would you say to encourage um, a a new caretaker in this situation? I think it's helpful to remember that depression tends to be cyclical. Mm -hmm. So however bad it is today, it's likely to be better tomorrow, mm-hmm. not literally tomorrow, but in the future. Mm-hmm. I think that's helpful. Um, I also think that a caregiver needs to be really careful not to just see this as my spouse's problem, mm. but that this is something that is happening for, t- happening for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we said for sickness and in health, mm-hmm. in sickness and in health, and this is one of those times. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, just like all the negative emotions, sometimes depression is signaling that there is something wrong beyond just the chemistry of the brain, that there's mm-hmm. something wrong in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And often the caregiver doesn't want to look at that. They want to say, no, this is all in my spouse, mm-hmm. as though I'm just a neutral bystander. Mm-hmm. But sometimes something is wrong in the life we're living mm-hmm. that needs to be addressed okay. and to have the courage to take some responsibility for that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I often see happening is that as I'm working with a depressed person and they become more clear about ways their lives need to change, mm-hmm. sometimes that includes the marriage. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the marriage needs to change. And what often happens at that point is that as the depressed person is getting a little healthier, mm-hmm. the spouse digs in and says, no, this is your problem. I don't have to change. Right. Mm-hmm. You need to deal with this. I'm not the sick one. Mm-hmm. And that's just so disheartening because it's at that moment that they could begin a whole new life together. Right, right. If both of them can get on that page. Right. I think what you're saying is so significant. When, when Kelly had the episode that she's referring to, and we'd been married about 10 years at that time, uh, that, that was the big turning point in our marriage. Uh, and a lot of it, maybe more of it, had to do with me. But I remember prior to that, the issues that were maybe triggering some of the facets of your depression, we would talk about that. Both of us used language like it was her problem. Mm-hmm. And when when it really became a big issue to be dealt with where she had to withdraw from even work for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. 
from then on, we embraced it as, no, this is not her problem, this is our problem, mm -hmm. and, and we can work as a team. And exactly. we always talk about on this podcast, mm -hmm. taking your marriage to the next level. Mm -hmm. That really did take our marriage to the next level, probably mm -hmm. as much as anything I can yeah. think of. And that was a hopeless, in that moment, was a hopeless season for me. Very dark and, you know, not to the point of having like literal suicidal thoughts, but having the thoughts of, I think my family would be better off without me, yeah. those kinds of thoughts. And so um, if you had told me that in a relatively short period of time, I would be feeling hopeful again and, you know, would be looking forward to my life, I wouldn't have really believed it. But it absolutely was true. And I think part of that was that Brett got on board with me instead of you need to fix this. Mm -hmm. And so it was, I think it did completely turn our marriage around. Mm -hmm. So it was a blessing. And that's not just y'all. Yeah. If both people can see the, you know, the potential for that, mm -hmm. um, I don't believe God causes suffering. We right. can argue about that. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that it's really clear in Scripture that God can use and transform suffering. Mm -hmm. And if both people can remember that, right. um, that can be helpful. Yeah, um, You're not true. the only couple to say that it was a period of depression that took our marriage to the next level. Mm -hmm. yeah. I wish that were more common than it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do too. Well, this has been just... As always, fantastic conversation, and we could just pick your brain all day long about uh, lots of great topics, and I know we could go on and on about depression. This is just a little um, snippet of the conversation, but it's so helpful, and I think people who are listening, uh, not only if they are struggling themselves, but know someone or married to someone, I think this will be a really helpful conversation, so thanks for being with us. Good. Yeah. My pleasure. Really and grateful. if someone in our audience wants to contact you, Tricia, how would they contact you? I think my website would be the easiest way, trishataylor.org. Okay, awesome. Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. You can also check out our website at homeencouragement.org. Also, we hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have a topic or question you'd like for us to discuss on the podcast, send us an email to thehursts, that's H-U-R-S-T-S, at homeencouragement.org. And we will do our very best to get it on the air. Well, thanks for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.